back to Search, Ponder, and Pray um, podcast where we strive to study the scriptures and find ways in which we can apply them um, to our daily lives as we follow the, as we generally follow the uh, Come Follow Me schedule provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter day Saints. Um, last night was uh, election night. I hope you all exercised your. Um, well, for all of those of you in the U.S., anyways, you all exercised your um, your civic right to vote and to help uh, sway the country in a, in a righteous direction. So we've been we've been wor- working our way through the Book of Hosea, and we'll continue on with that today. But I think first we we should say our a prayer, as you know, like the title is Search, Ponder, and Pray. So we'll say a prayer and ask the Lord to help us with our study this morning, today. <clears throat> I often want to say this morning because I'm recording it in the morning, and but I'm sure you're going to be listening to it at who knows what time. So anyways. Our dear Father in heaven, we are thankful for this new day. We are thankful, O Lord, for the help and the strength that we have received in days past from Thee, from the Scriptures, and from Thy Holy Spirit. We thank Thee for the light that Thou hast given unto us and the path that Thou hast shown. We thank Thee that we are able to return unto Thee through Thy mercy. We are grateful for the covenants that Thou hast given unto us, that we might gain power to grow closer with Thee. We thank Thee for the temple, for the prophets, for all the guidance that Thou gives unto us. We ask Thee to please help us to use them wisely. Give us the strength to press forward and find those ways in which we can build up the kingdom in our area, using our talents. Please forgive us of our sins, Father, for we know that we are weak. We know that we have many things that need to be worked on to be better. Please help us to be free of our sins and overcome our weaknesses. Please let thy spirit be upon us this day as we study these scriptures, that we might know the path that thou wouldst have us take. Help us to see that knowledge that lies before us and know the message that lies in the scriptures for us this day. And we pray for these things humbly, Father, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. I don't know if you can hear it, but it's raining where I'm at right now, and you can hear it on my roof. Um can hear it outside. I don't know if the microphone's picking it up. I'm hoping it's not, because then that means my setup isn't. If it is picking it up, then my setup's not very, <clears throat> very good. Anyways, moving on. Let's stick to what's important. So we're in chapter six this morning. Um, and we're just kind of continuing on with the the idea of, you know, of Israel having gone astray, having left the Lord having strayed away from their <clears throat> excuse me having strayed away from their covenants and the 
the necessity and the need for them to return to the Lord. So right off at the very beginning in, in verse 1, it says, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he hath torn up, for he hath torn and he will heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up, and we shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to the Lord to know the Lord. His going forth is prepared as the morning, and he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth. <clears throat> so if we jump over to um, the Old Testament student manual, section 20-10, um, it says, Hosea 6, Hosea verse 2 and Hosea may be a symbolic reference to the, to the gathering of Israel <clears throat> and the millennium. If a day is a thousand years, see Peter, First Peter chapter three verse eight, Israel is revived and blessed some two or three thousand years in the future. In verse three, um, is called is a call to seek the knowledge of Jehovah, whose rising is is fixed like the morning dawn, and whose blessing is as the latter and former rain upon the earth. To the farmer in ancient Israel, two rains were very critical: the former or first rains, softened the earth, so he could plow it and plant seed. The latter, or second rains, gave the crop its growth. So I think we're going we're gonna to see this a lot in chapter 6. Um, we're going to see it in chapter 6 and in chapter 10, the idea of, of a lot of farming imagery, which is interesting because at this time we know that Israel had gone astray um, to worship Canaanite gods because they were desirous that their farming and their agriculture would be would gain the blessings of the other gods that would receive these rains and to help them come closer. And so God is telling them, look, you know, I I'm the one who gives you the rain. I'm let me teach you about the harvest. And not just let me teach you about the harvest, about, you know, because you know about you know about dirt. You know about rain. You know about plants you know th those things but let me teach you about what's important let me te let me use these analogies to teach you the important things of the world yes you have you need your daily bread yes you need all these things but do you not remember your forefathers who wandered in the desert who i gave manna to eat who I gave manna to eat, who I gave quail to eat, who I, who I sustained day to day. You're so focused on the, on the physical world. You're missing out on the spiritual world. So we continue. O Ephraim, what shall I do unto thee? O Judah, what shall I do unto thee? For your good, for your goodness is as a morning cloud, and as the early dew it goeth away. Therefore have I hewed them by the prophets, I have slain them by the words of my mouth, and thy judgments are as the light that goeth forth. For I desired mercy, and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So one thing to remember as we read these next few chapters, um, that God will delineate a lot between Ephraim and Judah. And the two kingdoms at this point are still were, were divided, and and so this is right before um, the, the Israel, who was headed by Ephraim, 
will be captured and taken away by the Assyrians. And so God is calling to both of them, both of them to return to him, to come back. And he's saying, you know, your your righteousness and your desire to do good, it's like it's like a morning cloud or like the dew that in the morning you wake up and it's there. And how often are we are we the same way? We, we wake up or it's fresh after general conference or after a really good Sunday and we're like, you know what? I'm going to do better. I'm going to be better. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick to all these things. And you wake up in the morning and you say your prayers and you read your scriptures and then you get up and go about your day and that's where it ends. The heat of the sun, the heat of the day, the trials of life shine down upon us again and evaporate all of our, all of our drive. And it goes away and it's gone. Now, that's to be mortal and it's to be expected in some cases. But if we're not striving to be better, to do better than that, and what is it doing for us? What is it? How is it serving the Lord if we can't keep him in our minds for longer than an hour? As soon as the world comes into play that we forget about him, that we press forward and, and find some way to justify our actions. If we jump over to the Old Testament student manual, says, what did Israel lack in her relationship with Jehovah? Israel's fidelity then was that of a fickle woman. It lacked the steadfastness, the trustworthiness of true covenant love. In Hosea's native language, Israel lacked hesed. This word is exceedingly difficult to render into English. The Revised Standard Version usually translates it to steadfast love. It is a covenant word that refers to the faithfulness or loyal love that binds two parties together in covenant. When a person shows hesed to another, he is not motivated merely by legal obligation, but by an inner loyalty which arises out of the relationship itself. Such covenant love has the quality of, cons of, of constancy, firmness, steadfastness. In Hosea's vivid figure, Israel's hesed was like a, tra like, was like a transient morning cloud, or like the morning dew that evaporates quickly. Hence Yahweh, or Jehovah, scorned the existing forms of worship. For I desire steadfast love, and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. We probably should not press Hosea's word to, words to mean that he was opposed to formal worship, but clearly he was opposed to the forms that were devoid of spirit, of true faithfulness to God of the covenant. Jesus twice asked his hearers to go and read Hosea 6, 6, when he was accused of breaking the formal rules of orthodoxy. And you can find um, Christ's um, request that his followers go read this verse in Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 13, and Matthew chapter 12, verse 7, which whenever the Lord asks us to go read something, I think that puts extra emphasis on it that we should focus on. And so that's the problem that Israel and all of us are having, to be honest. We're all having this issue of 
God is telling us, yeah, I'm glad that you're going to church on Sunday, and I'm glad that you're taking the sacrament, and I'm glad that, you know, if, say you're in the young men's or young women's, and you, you, I'm glad that you go to uh, your young men's and women's thing on Wednesday or Thursday or Tuesday or whatever day you're, it's on for you. And then, or or maybe you're maybe you're like myself. You you know you you have another calling that's just that's only pretty much on Sunday. And so you know, you you fulfill your calling on Sunday, and you go to church on Sunday, and then and then you come home from church. And yeah, you you try to make sure that Sunday is not a day of of anything too worldly. And then you then you're done. You know you're done, and you can you live your life. Your righteousness evaporates in the sunlight. God doesn't want people to love him because of legality issues, because the covenant says that they must. I don't know, maybe you've seen people in your life who are, who are married to each other, and they're married and they stay married because of the law, because, because the law says they're married and so they're going to stay married. Because that's what they're supposed to do. But there's no more love. At least not in the way there used to be. It's almost a very hollow marriage. And by no means am I saying they should get divorced. I think that divorce should be very much avoided in all cases. But what's, what should be happening in those cases, what should be happening in the loveless marriage is the party, the two parties should be working together to rebuild that love. And in the case of Israel and God, God is striving with all his might to show us how much he loves us. How often have we heard the prophets or the apostles or any, any, any general authority tell us, keep a journal. And write down the way that you've seen the hand of God or the way you've seen blessings or the things you've seen, the little miracles in your life. And at first you'll think, there, were, there was nothing today. There was nothing. And then you start to think, well, maybe this was kind of an interesting coincidence that happened to me. That's the hand of God in your life. Sending you a little love letter reminding you, hey, I'm here for you. I'm rooting for you. Come back. It's like, I don't know if this ever happened to you. You know, you see it sometimes in commercials or on TV or whatever where a kid will, he's nervous about going to school, he or she is nervous about going to school, and they they get to school and they're nervous and they go through the school day and it gets to be lunchtime and they sit down and open up their lunchbox and there's, there's a little note from mom. And it makes them so happy to see that mom thought about them and to know that their mom loves them. There are so many little things in our lives each day whereby God is reaching out and saying, hey, I'm still here. I'm here with you. Come back. God has not given up on our covenants. 
He will not. There may be serious work to be done, but he has not given up on us. And if we're willing to put forth the effort and to strive to come back to him, he will bless us. He will bring us back into his presence. But we have to be willing to show him that we care. I desire steadfast love, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. I desire that you go out and you live the gospel because you love me. Because you want to be with me. Not because it's a checklist of things to do. Are you building up the kingdom merely because you want to get glory for yourself? Or are you building up the kingdom because you want the welfare of your brothers and sisters and because you want to be with me again, saith our God? Keep in mind, Satan himself, or Lucifer, he was willing to build up the kingdom too, as long as he got all the glory. Now let's jump. So now we're going to skip a bunch. We're going to jump over to chapter 10. Chapter 10. Let me get all my things there real quick. So, Israel is as an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have many goodly images. Their heart is divided, and now shall they be found faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. For now they shall say, We have no king. Because we feared not the Lord, what then should a king do to us? They have spoken words swearing falsely in making a covenant. Thus judgment springeth up as hemlock in the furrows of the field. The inhabitants of Samaria shall fear because of the, of the calves of Beth-Avon. For the people thereof shall mourn over it, and the priests thereof that rejoiced on it for the glory thereof, because it is departed from them. It shall be also carried unto Assyria, for a present to King Jareb, Ephraim shall receive, shall receive shame, and Israel shall be ashamed of his own counsel. So God is going through and saying, he's talking to his people and he's saying, look, this is where you're at. This is what, what you've come to. You have reached a point now. You've, you've planted these seeds. You've planted these seeds, and now, as the saying goes, your chickens have come home to roost. You've dug this grave, now lie in it. You've been worshipping these gods, and now you want to break them down because, well, not, nothing's happening. They're not doing anything for us. Now we're going to be overrun by the Assyrians. King Jerob is going to overtake us, and there's nothing we can do about it. What should we do? And God... I'm sure in patient love, 
despite how much I would feel utter frustration, says to them, there's nothing we can do at this time. O Israel, thou hast sinned from the days of Gibeah. There they stood. The battle in Gibeah against the children of iniquity did not overtake them. It is my desire that I should chastise them, and the people shall be gathered against them. They shall bind themselves into two furrows. And Ephraim is as an heifer that is taught, and loveth to tread out the corn. But I passed over upon her fair neck. I will make Ephraim to ride. Judah shall plow, and Jacob shall break, thy shall break his clods. Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. <clears throat> For it is time to seek the Lord, till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Ye have plowed wickedness. Ye have reaped iniquity. Ye have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst trust in, the, in thy way, in the multitude of thy mighty men. Therefore shall a tumult arise among thy people. And all thy fortress shall be spoiled, as Shalman spoiled Beth Arbel in the day of battle. The mother was dashed in pieces upon her children. In the Old Testament manual, 10-31, mercy, mercy is not showered indiscriminately upon mankind, except in the general sense that it is, that it is manifest in the creation and people of the earth, and in granting in, in the granting of immortality to all men as a free gift. Rather, mercy is granted because of the grace, love, and condescension of God, as it is with all blessings to those who who comply with the law upon which it is upon which its receipt is predicated. And we can look to Doctrine and Covenants section one thirty verses 20 through 21 about there is a law irrevocably decreed in heaven that you know when anyone um, is faithful to a law that the, the blessing thereof god is bound to that that law is the law of righteousness those who sow righteousness reap mercy there is no promise of mercy to the wicked rather as stated in the ten commandments the lord promises to show mercy unto thousands of them that love him and keep his commandments <clears throat> this brings up the topic of grace and how often do we hear grace and the idea of well Mormons don't believe in grace or we hear of other, other religions who, who say well I believe in Jesus Christ therefore I've been saved I, I declared him as my savior, therefore I'm saved. It's a little more tricky than that. Grace is there, and yes, there are aspects of grace that, like, like you said here, that everyone is, is, gets, is granted claim to. To the creation, you're given a body. You have a body. That's by the grace of God. It's a free gift. You're granted on this earth. You, you, you get to move around and you have free, free will. That's a gift. And when we die, we will be raised from mortality to immortality. All of us will. And that is a gift. Freely given. 
But salvation and exaltation are not free because they did not come cheaply. And while we will never reach the place where we need to be to quote-unquote deserve grace, grace is still given to those that strive to follow the Lord, that love Him with all of their heart. God knows the intent of our heart. Like we said in a previous episode, God cannot save us in our sins. He can save us from our sins. If we want to be free of them, if we want to choose Him more than anything else, if ye have but a desire to believe, if ye have but a desire to be free, to become a celestial being, let that work in your heart. And line upon line, and precept upon precept, you will begin to change. We will come closer and closer to the Lord. Slowly, the strands of light, the strands of love will wrap around us, and the cords will be tightened until we are bound to Him for eternity. In section 10-32, The Law of the Harvest, If one plants or does works of righteousness, he reaps mercy and the blessings of obedience. If one plants wickedness, he reaps iniquity. What one gets is the result of what one does. What one does is a result of where one puts one's trust. We can trust God, or power, or friends, or money, but what we receive will depend on what we trusted. <clears throat> Where is our trust? It's like we all we always tell children, or like we've probably heard from our parents. You can pick your choice, but you can't choose your consequence. You pick up one end, you when you pick up one end of the stick, you pick the other end up too. If you plant onions in the spring, don't expect tomatoes in the fall. Elder Bernard P. Brockbank counseled college students, If you sow seeds of righteousness, you will harvest righteousness. If you sow thorns and corruption, you will reap thorns and corruption. A prophet of the Lord said, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. If you sow seeds of purity, you will harvest purity. If you sow seeds of petting, immorality, and promiscuity, you will harvest destruction to your godlike attributes. If you sow seeds of pure love, you will receive pure love. If you love God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind, you will reap God's love. If you would obtain celestial glory, you must plant into your heart and character God's heavenly ways. Jesus admonish, admonishes in these words, for if you will that I give unto you a place in the celestial world, you must prepare yourselves by doing the things which I have commanded you and require of you. If you want a celestial life, you will have to plant celestial seeds. Pure religion comes from God. If you want pure religion in your life, you must plant the gospel of Jesus Christ in your heart. 
Remember, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think as a celestial being, you will be a celestial being. If you think as a child of God should think, you will be a member of his celestial family. That's the secret. That's the grand secret of everything. That is what I have for a long time believed. That which we most desire is what God will give unto us. If we want, after we die, to not be bothered by God and then just live on the earth or live on a earth in, an, in a fairly typical society and not be bound by social relationships and have our life without sickness, without issue, without the, the corruption of life, God will give us that in the lowest kingdom of glory. If we want, after we die, to see God and to be in his presence on occasion and to be as the angels in heaven, but still not to be bound by familial relationships, but to serve God and the beings of light who reside in heaven and to live that life. God will grant it to us. If we want to live the gospel in part, and yet still we, we don't want to put forth the effort to really step into the fullness of glory, but we do want to be in the celestial kingdom and yet not obtain eternal progression because we don't want to put forth eternal effort, God will grant us that. But if we want, if we desire to be like God, to labor and to work unendingly in joy and glory and in eternal splendor, to become as he is, to sit with him upon the throne, and to look out upon the chaos and to organize it, to raise it from chaotic matter into pure creation. God will grant us that. He is fully aware of our shortcomings. He is fully aware of the weaknesses that he gave us that we might come back to him. If we didn't have weaknesses, if we didn't have struggles, why would we ever ask him for help? Why would we ever go to him? I give unto men weakness that they may be humble. I give unto men weakness that their weak things might be made strong unto them. God has given us these little reminders of why we need him. 
whether we have weaknesses or not, we need him. First, we must prove what we want. What do we really want? Do we really want to be like him? To do the work to be like him? Do we want to become celestial people? Do we want God's love? Do we want pure religion? Do we want to give up the world? Do we want to give up our sins, our favorite sins? We know what they are in our, in our hearts. In our quiet moments, we know that there are certain things that we think, eh, I know it's wrong, but in a moment it's fun. And in the back of your mind, when you start to think, well, I should give it up because that is what the Lord would want, you hear that little voice in the back of your mind, oh, your life will be so boring. Oh, can you imagine those people who are such goody two-shoes, who, who just spend all day focused on Christ? That must be so boring. It must be so just, ugh. Who would want to be their friend? What are you going to talk about? You can talk about Jesus the whole time? No one's going to be your friend. That'll be so annoying. I'll give you one guess as to who that is. As to who that voice is. I think we would be surprised how many people would follow us if we would just stand up and say, no more. I am tired of living a lie. I am tired of living the way that the world wants me to live. I am a child of the Most High God. I am an heir to the throne of eternity. And I will act like it. I have in me the seeds of glory the blood of gods. I will act like it. I testify of the power of God. But more importantly, I testify of his love. His unending love. For his hand is stretched out still. He seeks to give us all the blessings that he has, if we want them, if we will put forth the effort to receive them. I testify of this. I testify of the power of the atonement of Jesus Christ. I know that he lives. I know that we can obtain all of these blessings for ourselves. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.